0: Um, As Kez said, we're in John 6 tonight. Um, John 6 is an incredible passage. You've probably come across it before. Even if you haven't spent much time in churches, it's the passage where Jesus takes a couple of loaves of bread and a fish and then goes ahead and feeds 5,000 people with it. Um, It's a really remarkable passage. It's a miracle. Uh, It's it's a big deal. Lots of people quote about it. Uh, And and one of the things in this passage that we're going to be looking at is the crowd. What what is the crowd doing in this situation? And what we'll see is that the crowd is constantly searching for something. They're they're looking high and low for something. So that's a bit of a theme that we're going to run with tonight. And when you're a preacher looking at a theme that's coming up in a week's time, you start noticing different things that you're looking for in life. So the theme was searching for me. And so this week I've tweaked. So let me tell you two things that happened to me this week. One is my niece. Made a treasure hunt for me. Um, it was really, it was cute. Um, it had been like uh, soaked in tea leaves, and then she'd burnt the edges, and then she'd drawn this map. They were okay drawings, but you know she's only seven, so great. Um, and uh, it was around the house, so we had to go to uh, the cupboard, and then we had to go to the couches, and then we had to go to the backyard, and then eventually I found my beer, and, and it was great. it was fantastic. Um, and then she did the same treasure tra- hunt. Uh, treasure hunt with thomas uh who's my partner my husband and thomas did the same thing but the last one was a different clue it was just a mysterious door and thomas didn't know what he was searching for and eventually like with with a few clues he found it and he said well why was my one different to every other one and my niece seven years old said well you got the harder one because you're the smarter one (laughs) 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 which i wasn't super big fan of but you know the search paid off um The other one that I I thought about was, um, I'm trying to get back into fitness um, because, you know, COVID happened. Um, So I'm trying to get back in and I've rediscovered an app called Zombies Run. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, a couple of knowing smiles. It's phenomenal. If you're looking for a reason to run, You've just got it. Like, it's free. I've given it to you on a platter. Download the application. You put your headphones on, and the story starts, and you're in a helicopter. I won't give away too much, don't stress. You're in a helicopter, and the helicopter goes down while you're still like six miles away from April, the township that you have to get to, and the zombies are starting to chase you. Luckily, you have in your headphones somebody speaking you through the whole thing, and they just say, you've got to run. You're going to run. And so you just start running. Um, and as you go, they tell you things that you have to pick up. So they're like, oh, you're looking for this CDC file, the Center for Disease Control file. And so as you write, you have to collect these things on your route. And it's a phenomenal game. But you're looking for things to actually build up your your little protective mechanism as you go. Um, And so you're searching. And for me, this week, anyway, there's only two dumb little stories, but I thought I'd start with those. Um, uh, I guess so much of our life, we we spend searching for stuff. Uh, We're just searching, searching, searching. It kind of feels like it never ends. So what we're going to do tonight is a little bit different. And I don't know if you've ever done this in church. If you've been around New City for a while, you would have done this, but... We're going to go through a bit of a, a guided, perhaps a, a meditation might be a word for it, but I know meditation is a complex word for some people. Think of it as just a time for you to reflect in quiet stillness. Um, and I'm going to take us through this passage and ask you just to reflect on a couple of the words, phrases, themes that come through. And one of the key things that we often talk about here is, I, like, I'm not going to give you an application um, because there's so many different things in this passage that you might find uh, helpful for you. Uh, if I was to give you applications, it would actually do a disservice to the passage. It would do a disservice to the Bible. I want you to use your brain and, and use the spirit that God has in you to think, okay, well, what, what does this mean for my life? Okay, well, what, what does it actually mean for me? Does that make sense? We're in John chapter 6. Let me pull it out on my phone, if I have it. Here it is. Um, we're going from verse 1, and let's get comfortable. Um, com- however you feel is comfortable, it might be two feet on the ground, it might be legs crossed, it might just be uh, standing up the back, if you need to get up and walk around, if you want to go get, like just make yourself really comfortable, because the next 20 minutes or so, this is, this is you interacting with God's word, uh, this is you interacting with God's spirit as you read words that have been recorded throughout history for us to understand and apply to our lives. John chapter 6, verse 1. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is, the Sea of Tiberias, and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover feast was near. Get comfortable. Um, Maybe shake out a little bit if you need to. Um, Relax. Might be helpful to close your eyes, if that's something that you find useful. Um, Don't look at me. Um, Just... Think about some of the words that we're going to start reflecting on. Um, And let's just start with something fairly simple. Take, Take four really deep breaths. Fill up those lungs. And out. And breathe in. And out. And breathe in. Breathe out. And just keep that pattern going of good deep breaths. And as you breathe, think of a time that you have had to search for something. It might be little, it might be something that you lost your keys last week. Um, It might be something really big. Uh, Maybe you were searching for somebody to call family. Think of a time that you were searching for something and just keep those good deep breaths going. Now, think about a time when you found something that you were searching for. You were searching for something and you found it. What did that feel like for you? What did that feel like in your body when you found it? What were some of the words that you associate with that experience? Take a couple more big, deep breaths. Now we're going to go a little bit deeper. Um, think about as you take those deep breaths and you just sit comfortably and uh, know that you're a good temperature. You're safe in this room. Uh, think about um, think about the question: What is it that you're searching for in life right now? Big picture. What is it that you're searching for in life right now? Might be one thing, might be five things. What will it look like once you've got that thing? keep those those deep breaths going and those deep breaths they open up different parts of your brain as you get the oxygen as you fall into good rhythms think about why you're searching for that thing is there is there a reason for it now let's take a slightly different tack you're here at church on a Sunday at 10 to 6. Maybe you're searching for Jesus in some way, some manner. Um, what is it about Jesus that makes you want to search after Jesus? Take a couple of deep breaths. Okay, come back to join us back in the room again. Uh, maybe some of those thoughts have sparked something that will uh, spark a conversation later at the pub. Um, there, there's big questions, there's little questions. We're searching for something. This crowd that we discover in John chapter 6 is searching for something about Jesus. Something about Jesus. Um, It's Passover time. Get yourself comfortable again. Get yourself comfortable. Um, It's Passover in Galilee. And Jesus has chosen, we don't really know why, but Jesus has chosen to spend Passover in Galilee. Galilee is more of a rural area. It relies on subsistence farming. Most of them are living day-to-day hand-to-mouth. This this crowd that starts gathering, they're pretty poor. And why do they start gathering? Why do they start following? Well, we know in the passage it says that they had heard that Jesus had healed the sick. So presumably, a whole bunch of them had heard these miracles that had taken place. We've discovered some of them in the book of John already. Uh, he, he, Jesus has this ministry of healing people, and it's really quite remarkable. And the news is spreading, and people are starting to get on board. And so they start gathering. But surely not all of them would just... like so, Some of them would have just been like dragged along by their gran, who was like, you've got to hear this guy. Um, some of them, perhaps, would have known that Jesus could do miracles, and they were ready to see something. They wanted to, they were like, yeah, let me get it on in this action. Um, Passover as a time in ancient Israel was a really important day or season because it was when people got together. It, it was a festival of gathering together and remembering, remembering what God had done in Exodus, uh, what God had done into the promised land, how God had kept the people of Israel for years and years and years. Um... But now it wasn't so much of a celebration, it was also a season of grieving, because where once they'd been in the promised land, they had lost that. Uh, They had been cast out of the promised land, and they were now in an exile of form in their own country, but with, let's call them dictators, overlords, taxing everything, controlling everything, and so they they were really an oppressed people group in their own land, and Passover was this season of coming together, remembering, and there was a bit of a rebellious streak in it. It was often a time of uprisings. It was a time when people would rally together and cry out for justice. Um, Now, it's, it's, uh, it's a really unique portion of history. Uh, But you can imagine kind of the powder keg that it would have been, this political moment of every year. Families get together, communities get together, and they demand, hey, wait a minute, this land is sacred. This land is important. This land can't just keep being pillaged. We can't keep being treated like this. We need justice. Um, In that sense, it's, there's similarities politically to January 26, 25. What day is it? It's gone, 26, thank you, the the Australia Day. There's some similarities there. It's it's a season of coming together, of yes, remembering, but also lamenting and saying something needs to change. And so it's it's when a lot of political movements would take place. And lo and behold, Jesus, this miracle worker, a Jew, has managed to gather 5,000 men, plus women and children, so you know, 10,000 plus people on a hill in Galilee with a whole heap of disgruntled farmers. That's a political powder keg. Like something is about to take place. And you can imagine the energy in the room as these people, like they're they're looking for something. They're looking for something that's going to happen and the electricity would have been out of this world. You can picture it on the mountainside when Jesus looks out and he's like, oh, There goes my quiet dinner, Um, and he turns to his disciples, and let's listen to the conversation that he has with them. We're in John chapter 6 again, from verse 5. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where are we going to buy stuff for these people to eat? Remember, it's Galilee. Like, it's it's backwater. Uh, There's no IGA. There's no woolies. Uh, These people are living hand to mouth. Uh, and chances are he asked Philip because Philip was a local. Um, he, he would have known that. He asked this only to test him. Sneaky, sneaky, sneaky. Uh, because he'd already had his mi- in his mind what he was going to do. Jesus, Jesus knew that something was about to happen. And it was a moment to show Jesus' faithfulness. Philip answered. It would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough food for each one just to have a bite. There's a lot of people here. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Look, I wonder sometimes if if he's actually making a bit of a joke here, Andrew, Peter. uh, Oh, sorry, Andrew. I wonder if he's making a bit of a joke. or, Or is he faithful? Is he really faithful in this moment? I don't know. And this is what he says. Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. It's ludicrous. Like it's absolutely ludicrous. And barley loaves, it's the bread of the poor. Uh, it's, it's the food that you would have eaten if you really had not much else going on. And chances are the fish, they weren't, you know, whopping great gropers. We're talking about little piddly dried fish most likely where they're at. And so he comes and he says, here they are. Look, this is what I've got. But how far is that going to go? It's not even going to feed the kid. Okay. Jesus said, have the people sit down. Have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. And Jesus took the loaves. He gave thanks. Literally, um, he, he eucharisted. Uh, he gave thanks to God, um, And if you've been around church land for a while, the word Eucharist might sound a little bit familiar. Uh, it's kind of one of the, the more formal words for communion, um, the, the Eucharist. Um, but he takes the bread um, and he gives thanks. He, he lifts it up to God and he gives thanks for the bread or for what's about to happen. Um, something. Take a tug. And his disciples start... Handing it out. And they start walking from person to person or from group of 50 and 100, whatever, to, to hand them out. And the book of Mark gives us a little bit more detail. I've got a gluten free one for you, both of you. Um, the, the book of Mark gives a little bit more detail. And it says that at this moment, Jesus was moved with compassion for the crowd. That's the word that was used. Um, and the word compassion there, it's in the Greek, spagzidzomai? Yep, obviously. Um, it's also the word that's used to describe the human guts. Um, it's, it's, there's a movement of the stomach in such a way that you can feel it within you. Um, it's, it's that feeling when your heart drops or your spleen says something to you like something is out of place. But the disciples go on handing out the bread and the bread just keeps going and going and the fish just keeps going and going and eventually everyone in that crowd has had their absolute fill. They're full to the brim. It's not just like, okay, they've all had a morsel, um, like, like our little communion. Sorry, everyone. Like, enjoy. Get full on that. I dare you. Um, it, it's not just this little morsel. They eat. It is an absolute feast that they get to enjoy. Jesus is really passionate about providing well um, and providing plenty and providing not just enough, um, but providing the best. And Jesus gives thanks and he passes it out and they get the chance to eat it. So, get comfortable. Um, get comfy. beat um, wherever on the ground. Take a couple of deep breaths. Don't rush this. Um, think about... Think about the bread that you have in your hands. Think about the atomic structure that that has. The... Work that has gone into producing that to this point. The farmers that harvested the wheat, the farm hands that planted the seeds, the rain that fell, the people that loaded it onto trucks, the trucks that drove, the, tr- the truckies that had to stop, rest, drive again. And they took it to the place where wheat gets turned into flour. From there, it went to the bakeries. The bakeries turned it into bread with all its pieces, ingredients, and they brought it to the shop. I bought it this morning. I brought it here. We ripped it up, and it's in your hands. And Jesus does all that by giving thanks to God, and God provides. A little bit later on in the passage, we're going to read that this is just no mere miracle, Jesus is actually giving a really profound lived story of who he is. Because Jesus is about to say, I'm the bread. I am the bread. I, Jesus, am the one who provides sustenance. I invite you, if you're comfortable, uh, to eat the bread. Thinking about who Jesus is. The one who provides sustenance, the one who provides eternal life, the one who feeds forever and ever. Take a couple of deep breaths and maybe eyes closed or open, whatever's comfortable. And we're going to keep reading. When everyone had had enough to eat, Jesus said to the disciples, gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. 12 baskets full after the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, Surely this is the prophet who has come into the world. For so long, the Jewish people had been waiting and waiting and waiting for a prophet to arrive on the scene who would bring them back into the fold of God. Who would declare that God is pleased with them? For so long, the Jewish people had been waiting for somebody to rescue. Maybe Jesus is that prophet. But Jesus disappears, he just walks away. In verse 15. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. You can open your eyes. Imagine that, that politically turbulent scene. Um, tens of thousands of people gathered on this mountainside, angry people, tired people, people who are ready for something new. And they're ready to make Jesus king, By force, if necessary. And so Jesus slips away. Later on in John 18, Jesus will tell Pilate that actually, yes, indeed, he is the king. But his kingdom is not of this world. His kingdom isn't made up just of flesh and blood. It's far bigger. It's something far more profound. It's something far more eternal. I love this next part. When evening came, the disciples went down to the lake, we're reading from verse 16, where they got into a boat and set off across the lake for Capernaum. By now it was dark, and Jesus had not yet joined them. A strong wind was blowing, and the waters grew rough. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus approaching the boat, walking on the water, and they were frightened. But he said to them, It's me. Don't be afraid. Then they were willing to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat reached the shore where they were heading. The next day, the crowd that had stayed on the opposite shore of the lake realized that only one boat had been there and that Jesus had not entered it with his disciples, but that they had gone away alone. Then some boats from Tiberias landed near the place where the people had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. And once the crowd realized that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they too got into boats and went to Capernaum in search of Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? It's really practical for them, isn't it? Like, what, what time did you make it here? Because we left, have you got a faster route than us? Uh, Jesus answered, very truly, I tell Now, when Jesus says, very truly, I tell you, think of it as him saying, no, no, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Let's get th- something straight. He says, very truly, I tell Wait a minute. Let's get something straight. You look for me, not because of the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Hmm. He's kind of saying, like, you're here because you want another sandwich. Am I right? Am I right? You're here because for this time you've been farming hand to mouth and you're just here for another feed, which is really fair enough, I think. If you found a source of just straight-up food... Keep following it, yeah? It's, it's good. Like if, It's like that eternal packet of Tim Tams. Like, you might as well. But there's more going on. Don't work, don't search, don't keep pursuing food that spoils, Jesus says. Instead, work, search, pursue food that endures to eternal life which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they ask him, What must we do to do the works God requires? And Jesus answered, The work of God is this, Believe in the one he has sent. Jesus is kind of saying, Look, there's this feast. There's this feast ready for you. And they're saying, okay, how do we get it? And Jesus is saying, no, you're already there. You're already here. It's kind of like if the guests at my guess who's coming to dinner party had come around and I'd laid out food and they said, well, what do I have to do in order to eat it? And I would say, no, 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 I've done the work. You just got to believe that I want you to have it and eat. It's yours. This feast is yours. This eternal life is yours. This life that goes on forever and ever and ever in the kingdom of God is yours. So they asked him, What sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, as it's written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said to them, Very truly, I tell you, wait, wait a second. Wait a second, let's just correct this here. It wasn't Moses who gave you the bread. It was my father. It was God. It was God who gave you the bread from heaven to eat. Because the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I, I, said Jesus, am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. See, God is the one who gives. God is the one who gives abundantly, more than anyone could have ever seen coming. And he doesn't just give the loaves and the fish for physical care, although he does care about the physical care. He gives so much more than that. It's kind of like we ask for a sandwich and Jesus says, here, might as well chuck in eternity. awesome that's a good deal that's a really good deal this is a story of divine abundance this is a story of humans in Galilee seeking for something they were looking for the next meal and Jesus was ready to give them a meal for all eternity They were looking for someone to overthrow the Roman Empire and Jesus was saying, wait, I have a far better kingdom that's far greater than the Roman Empire that you get to be a part of. They were looking at the micro, Jesus was giving them the macro. It's a story of God providing, providing far more than they or we could have ever dreamt possible. So what does that mean? What does that mean for you? What does that mean for me? Uh, We'll get comfortable again for one last time. Um, And shut your eyes if that's comfortable for you. Breathe a couple of big, deep breaths. maybe let me let me ask that question again um, you're here on a sunday night at church maybe searching for jesus um, what is it about jesus that makes you want to search for him that crowd was looking for a meal, was looking for a leader, looking for somebody who listened to them and cared for them, took care of their needs. That's why they were seeking Jesus. Let me tell you what this looked like for me. Uh, For so many years, I thought that if I could just get Jesus' acceptance, then everything would be fine. I thought for so many years, for decades of my life, that all I needed was for Jesus to love me. I didn't even need him to like me. I just needed Jesus to love me. And then everything else would fall in place. And so I was clinging so hard, wrestling day and night, tears and grief, through depression and pain, to say, come on, Jesus, at least give me your scraps. Slowly things changed for me. It wasn't a lightning bolt moment. It was a slow, gradual, dawning realization that Jesus didn't just love me, but Jesus had a huge plan for my life. That Jesus wanted not just for me to know that I was loved, but know that I had a love that went so deep that it wouldn't just stop with Jesus' love of me, but that it would overflow into everyone around me. That Jesus' love for me was part of who Jesus is. And Jesus had never not loved me because it's impossible for Jesus to not love. That's not who Jesus is. God's character is love. And as I realized that, I learned that Jesus accepted me. And that Jesus drew me in and wanted me to be called a child of God. And that changed everything. Everything. And so at that moment, once slowly I realized that, I found that I was able to step into the presence of God, as the author of Hebrews says, boldly, with a huge amount of confidence, knowing that I could stand before the creator of the universe and be embraced because the creator of the universe had run and run and run towards me first. I was asking Jesus for bread, for a sandwich. Just accept me a little bit. But Jesus had so much more ready for me. We're going to, in your own time, uh, enjoy the second portion of communion. Uh, this is the grape juice uh, that's up there. Um, this is a chance for you just to keep reflecting on the lavish gift that Jesus offers uh, the gift of his own life as he declares victory over all evil uh, as he ushers in a new kingdom Uh, and as you reflect uh, and in your own time in a moment you'll come up grab some of the juice come back down drink it Uh, you have the chance just to sit with Jesus if that's what you want to do Talk with God, if that's what feels comfortable for you. Sit in silence, if that's what you need at this point. Uh, And reflect on what it is that you're searching Jesus for. And maybe, if it's within the possibility, uh, start zooming out that lens to say, is it actually that something is far bigger at this point? Uh, something that Jesus is offering is far bigger than I'd imagined. I invite you in your own time to come up and take the juice, drink, and I'm going to come up in a moment and pray. Let me pray. God, we thank you that you are the one who cares. You are the one who gives everything. God, you are the one who we look at and think maybe you could be a prophet, maybe you could be a king, and then you blow all of our dreams out of the water and you give us a kingdom far greater than we could ever have imagined. God, you are building a kingdom of justice, a kingdom of righteousness. You are building a kingdom where every tear is wiped away where grief and sorrow is no more because the old order of things have passed away. And you are building a king that goes on into eternity. And we get to be a part of that because you declare that we are truly children of the Most High God. And some days, God, we just struggle to ask for scraps. Scraps because we don't realize just how loved we are and just how good you are and just how much you are passionate about giving us everything that you love to give. So God, we thank you. We thank you that we can approach you boldly, knowing that you give us of yourself so abundantly and graciously. Amen. Mm-hmm. Oh, thanks. Um, thanks for just doing that with me. Um, I know that silence and calmness isn't everyone's cup of tea, um, but I hope that in that you're able to just sit with Jesus and sit with what God is doing in your life uh, and see some of your own story in that that scene that we have. In John six, I might hand it back to Kaz now um, to wrap us up.